0: Welcome! You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at ICCMemphis.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Jordan and, uh, I am the church planning resident here at ICC. And I am so grateful, uh, to be with you this morning. I decided to let my hair down this morning because I learned that if I look more like Jesus, maybe I'll teach more like Jesus. Um, that's what I'm hopeful for. So if not, we'll put it up mid sermon. We'll figure out what happens. If you were here with us last week, I just want to take us back last week, get you caught up. Maybe if you weren't here, if you were here, just to give you some reminders. Uh, We're focusing on just this statement uh, over the next, last week and this week of um, our mission statement for this year in local ministry, which is fostering a merciful missional presence in Memphis. One neighbor at a time. Last week, we looked at what it means to be missional in our time. And, and I just want to give you a couple of reminders about where we were so that we can kind of catapult into another direction of where we're going. So, last week we talked about, we defined mercy as the compassionate treatment of those in distress. We talked about the way that we treat others that are in distress or vulnerable helps us to understand how God has treated us in in our own vulnerability. And even Jesus in his vulnerability and his sacrifice for us has modeled that for us. We also talked about the next thing which is this. We talked about The least of these, right? We were in Matthew 25, where Jesus is saying, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. And I think for a lot of us for a long time, we've seen the least of these as people that we set on a value placement. And what we talked about last week was really, it's people that are on a vulnerability scale, okay? The least of these are people that are usually the most vulnerable, maybe in our city, in our neighborhood, in the worlds that we walk in, and how do we see them differently because of their vulnerability? And then the last thing that we talked about and the, the place I really wanted to land last week was mercy only comes from knowing and understanding the deep well of our own need for God in our desperation and our desire for people to have the same, okay? It only comes, I can't, I can't make you merciful, the church can't put programs of mercy for it and, and make you a more merciful person. Mercy only comes from understanding our deep well and need for mercy ourselves and walking in that for others. Ever we were we tracking? So we talked about mercy last week. We're going to talk about what it means to have a missional presence in Memphis uh, today. And for us in this next season, it actually looks like what it means to plant a church in unity. And I really am glad we cut it up these two ways because I really feel like we have to get to a place of heart change and mercy for us to even be willing or want to plant a new church. Right? I mean, if you look at it, we, we talk all the time about this church as a family, as people that are coming together. We, you know and support one another and you care for one another and, and bear one, each other's burdens. This, this place, when it's at its healthiest, is one of the greatest forms of community that someone can have. And then you have this long-haired hippie guy on stage saying, hey, we're going to plant a church and we're going to disrupt all of that because... That's what God's called us to do. So what I want you to do and me to do in this moment is to figure out, is this even what we're supposed to walk into? And if it is, biblically, where is an example of this? What does that even look like? How do we even learn biblically to walk in some of these things? And so that's where we are today. That's where we're headed. I pray, my prayer today is this, more than anything, that your ears would just be open to the idea of asking, what is my role in planning a new church in this city? As a member of this church, as a, as a body, what am I supposed to be a part of? Because I believe this, this, this text will show us that every one of us plays a part in what God's about to do in this next season, okay? So if you'll just pray that with me, if you'll just have that, posture with me, I I would just appreciate that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you. I thank you that no doubt that in this moment, I know that you've called me to this place. God, and I know that you've called this church to this moment. And God, I just pray. I pray that we would walk with faith and courage and do what you're calling us towards. Knowing that multiplying, God, that going out, God, that reaching new people for the gospel has been your plan all along. So God, just bless this time. Let the words that I say not be from me, but from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we are going to be in um, Acts chapter 13. Before that, I want to share with you this quote that I ran across this week. This is a a book, it's called The American Church in Crisis. And this guy, David T. Olson, says this. If the evangelical church wants to survive, established churches must courageously strive towards health and growth and they must actively plant new churches. Okay? That's the heart of what we're, what we're doing here. We want to grow in health and we want to actively plant New churches. So, Acts thirteen, starting in verse one, it'll be on the screen for you. I encourage you to read along on the screen or on your Bibles if you have them. And it goes like this: We're gonna, we'll be in Acts thirteen all morning, and it's a kind of lengthy passage. We'll kind of cut it up here and there, and get in and out of it, and uh, we'll see where it leads us. Acts 13, 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a long a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So in this text, we have the church. That's gathered at Antioch. They're gathered together. They say they're worshiping together. They're praying together. They're fasting together. And the Holy Spirit calls upon the church. And the Holy Spirit says, set out Saul and Barnabas for what I have for them. And the church responds. And and they, they do that. And not only do they do that, but they lay hands upon them. They pray and they fast for them. And they send them out. Here's the first point I want to make to you this morning that I think is clear in this scripture, and it's this. Both the church and the ones being sent have roles to play in church planning, right? If you'll look back uh, at, at, at what we were talking about here in verse uh, two and three, is on the next slide. It says, while they were worshiping, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Bar- Barabbas, Barnabas and Paul, right, for the work. Who is he saying to set apart when when he's commanding set apart? He's not telling Barnabas and Saul to set themselves apart. He's telling the church, the body of believers, he is speaking directly to the church and he's saying, set these men apart for this work, right? So he's speaking directly to them. Then after fasting and praying, who? They, the church. They laid their hands on them and sent them off. See, the church is called to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and respond with prayer and fasting. Now, I believe, I I don't know how many of you, I don't know if we've shared this story really, and I I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but what I know is several years ago, there was this deep desire of ICC to be a church that planted churches. It was just this, almost like this missing piece of we know that we know that God is calling us to do this, but we don't know how. We don't know which way we're going to walk in it. We don't know what that looks like, but we're going to start moving towards that because we know that the Holy Spirit is calling this church to plant new churches. It's an act of obedience to say, all right, Lord, like Sure, this church, as, as large as it is or as healthy as it is, like God, you do what you want with it. We are, we are holding it open-handed to you. We don't make, want to make this church building or this church body an idol. But God, with whatever you want, you have. I know that. In the conversations that I had with Barrett and some of the elders, I know there was this moment of saying, we don't know how we're going to walk in this. We don't know how God's going to prepare us for this, but we know this is what I want to do. This is what God is walking us towards. There's also the sent ones, uh, and they have a responsibility. The sent ones are called to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as well, and go proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. If you'll look in the next set of verses, Acts uh, 13, 4, and 5. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And what did they do? They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. Now Paul and his companions in verse 13. Set sail from Paphos and came to Perga from Pamphylia. In 14 it says, but they went on to Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. So you see this this going that they've listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit And they decided it was time for them to go. Later in verse 14 and 15. And on the Sabbath, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets of the rulers of the synagogue, the the ruler sent a message to them. I love this little short little message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Brothers, if you have any words of encouragement for the people, say it. If I'm honest, I wanna just take a moment to tell you just personally where I've been and why I'm standing on this stage right now. We left this church in 2017. I left this church in a really hard place. We had been foster parents for about six months. I'd gotten to a place where I felt like I wasn't a good dad, I wasn't a good pastor. I, I couldn't do either of those things well. I failed a lot of people pastorally. I failed my kids, my wife in a lot of ways. I was just struggling. I felt so small. We walked into a ministry where we um, got no recognition for anything, but just did good work, gospel work, uh, with kids and families that needed repair, needed the truth and the gospel and the good news about Reconciliation and the grace that Jesus has and in that work of doing that for those kids and those families like I was given space to do work in myself And when I walked away, I'll just this is just me being totally and completely honest with you When I walked away what I realized was when I walked away from ICC in 2017 one of the biggest problems is I had identified myself as a pastor but had not identified myself as a son and my identity all of a sudden when pastoring or even fathering or the things that you're called to aren't going well all of a sudden you realize like golly then I'm worthless right but man God is so gracious in the time that we were gone and the work that we did I remember I would just get phone calls or letters I remember particularly one letter um from a church member that came out of the blue and I read it and I just cried and it just said, because you, because you pastored me, because you shepherded me, I'm able to walk in these things. I'm, I'm able to see this new calling. I'm able to see the things that God has for me. And I remember just like that chipped away at some of the, the things for me that was like, okay, I'm not a failure. I'm not someone who can't do it. I'm not someone who is called, but is not competent. God, you've given me everything I need to walk in this. And so from the back of my mind, even when we left ICC the first time, I remember I had a conversation with Barrett and Robbie and I was like, what do you think I should do next? And Barrett was like, I think you should church plant. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can't, I can't do that. And he was like, no, this is what you're, these are the things you're really good at. These are the things you're walking in. I think I see these things in you. I think they saw things in me I didn't see in myself yet. So fast forward, about a year and a half ago, we were at a place where we were enjoying so much of what we were doing. We were getting to walk with families and kids in hard places. We were getting to see God change kids' lives. We were getting to see families reconnected and and together. And and, uh, we just got to see kids adopted into brand new and beautiful families. And I remember we were sitting at our church in Nashville It was was in the summer, about a year and a half ago. And the message was on um, being willing to give up good things to walk in God things. And the pastor at that time preached on um, in Exodus when Moses' mother puts Moses in the basket and delivers him down the river, never knowing if she's ever going to see Moses again. Being willing to let go so that Moses would be safe. And what happens, like, if you know the story, right, Moses' sister's like kind of watching along, and Moses gets grabbed up by Pharaoh and his family, and they're like, well, who can take care, who could nurse this child? Who could even take care of this child? And Moses' sister's like, well, I know someone, like, she can, you know? And all of a sudden, like, Moses' mother is not only with Moses, raising Moses, but she's getting paid by Pharaoh to do those things, and she never would have walked in those things. If she would not have been willing to let go of something that was good, something that was comfortable, something that may have been easy for her and walk into what she knew God was calling her to. I walked out of that service that day. I looked Audrey dead in the face. This is a true story. And I said, we've got to leave the children's home. We've got to leave. We're not called to do this forever. I know what we're called to do. I know we're called to plant churches. And I know that if I don't, put a stake in the ground at this moment and say, we're leaving, then we never will. And she was like, like, does that mean tomorrow? And I was like, no, 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 not, not tomorrow. (laughs) And so we put a plan in place. All right. By next summer, that's what we said. By next summer, here's what we're going to do. We are, we are, we are doing this. We didn't have a, we didn't know who we were going to do it with. There was no plan. There was no partnership. There was, there was nothing except faith that I knew that God was calling me to something that I needed to walk in faith in. And over the next couple of months, I remember it like it was yesterday. I came by the church for some odd reason. I don't even know why. I just came by and saw Barrett and Robbie, and I just said, hey, I just want you to know, I'm thinking of planting a church, it may be in Nashville. Um, you know, I talked with uh, Hoyt, who is the founder of this church, and he's like, you should do it, and I was excited. And then I remember Barrett said, well, what, what, if, what if you came back to Memphis? And I was like, oh, I'd never, I hadn't thought about that. Well, you know, what that would look like. And I remember if if you hear my story, there was so much hard things that I walked away from in Memphis. So walking back into Memphis for me was like, all right, Lord, I guess this is what you're calling me to. But if so, there's a lot of things that have to go right. And there's a lot of things that have to be right for me to walk in it. And I share all this to share, to tell you this. And I think all the elders at ICC, Audrey could tell you the same thing. Everything that we thought would be a door of opposition to us moving back to Memphis, as soon as we started to walk towards it, it swung wide open. That's how I know that this church has walked in prayer for planning a church. That's how I know that I'm called to plant this church because every time it looked like there's no way we can get past this obstacle, the door was flung wide open. And I just want to encourage you, your role in that is being a a person who's saying, God, we want to see more people come to know you. We want to see you do something in Memphis that maybe you haven't done yet. We want to see you Get to a place where you are known amongst all peoples in this city. And for me, I I just hinge on this little phrase like, brother, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. As a church planner, this this is the phrase that I'm drawn to as I work and live and play in Uptown. I have words of encouragement and I want to say those to the people that live there. I live there. I'm their neighbors. I watch them. They watch me walk my dogs. We play on the playground together. We sit around a bonfire together. We spend time together and I want to be the one that brings the word of encouragement, but not just any word of encouragement, but ultimately the word that God has brought forth any church planner or any proclaimer to bring, which is the good news of Jesus. And that hasn't changed Thousands of years ago. You see this in Acts 13. And the message hasn't changed. Number two, we see that God's redemptive plan for all people and his means for, us for its proclamation have not changed. Think of all the ways the world has changed. All of you taking notes on your iPhone right now. It's changed. Right? I mean... Just imagine if you could have looked at Paul and been like, dude, if you just waited a couple thousand years, you could book Delta for sky comfort and you can get there in an hour, you know? <laughs> like He'd have been like, wow, the world is so different. And yet the message and the hope of Jesus is the same. And not only that, the way in which God wants us to proclaim that message is also the same. I don't have this down, but I just want to story this a little bit for you. In starting in verse 16, Paul then sits down at the synagogue and he takes all these educated men, all these educated people, through the history of who they are. He says, Remember as we as we were in Egypt, and then we were brought out of Egypt, and we were a people who wandered for 40 years and then were granted the promised land. Do you remember that? Do you remember that of our ancestors? And after the promised land, God also raised up judges to help us understand our relationship with God and, and, and move towards that. And then when that wasn't enough, he also gave us a king. And then not only did he give us a king, but after that king, he gave us a king who was after God's own heart and King David. And that's where he picks up here in Acts 23 through 24. He says, he says this, Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. He later picks up again and says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. He was looking at these men in the synagogue and saying, we sit here and we talk about how great King David was. King David is dead. But there is one that God has brought with us, that God has brought us, and he is one who, who fulfills everything that we were hoping for the people of Israel. Later on in uh, Uh, Let's see, sorry. Later on it says in verse 38, Let it be known to you therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. The gospel is the same. The message is the same. The proclamation and the proclaimers are are the same. God has not changed in the way in which he wants to see people to come to know him. Let it be known. Man, the the story I shared yesterday, it's the same that last week with my friend on my porch. He asked, "How can I know that I can be forgiven because that through this man forgiveness of sins is possible?" Everyone who believes is freed. The message is the same. It's not Antioch. It's not Paphos. It's Uptown. It's, it's North Memphis. It's Mud Island. It's all these places people are looking for. Whether they know it or not, they're looking for a savior. And they're looking for uh, relief. They're looking for someone that can come along and free them from the experiences and the sin and the struggle that they face. They're looking for Peace. And it's really interesting. We could very easily like get to a point in this chapter and be like, all right, you know, Paul is, has been faithful to do what God has wanted. He has gone out and he has proclaimed this news uh, to the Jewish people in the synagogue. And this is amazing. Like, man, what is God going to do? It may surprise you. It may surprise you. It's kind of like... Um, kind of like the movie, The Sixth Sense, you know, it's that, that classic twist that you don't see coming. Um, sorry for, does spoiler alerts happen for like movies that are 20 years old? I don't think so. You should have seen it if you should have, like, you know, you get to the end and you're like, oh, that was happening all along. Well, in this particular chapter, there's almost a surprise and it leads us in to the way in which we have to see in the third way is God will do exponentially more when it comes to building his church than we can predict. God will do exponentially more when it comes to building his church than we can predict. Acts 13, and 45. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. That's like every pastor's dream right there. That's like, man, wouldn't that be awesome if the whole city came? But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy And they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. We are turning to the Gentiles. Why is it important that we plant a church? If not for Acts 13, we would not be a church. If not for the planning of churches in places where the gospel was not yet there, was not yet available, was not yet proclaimed, this community that we have here, this belonging, this sense of security in the the goodness, the grace of Jesus, our salvation, we are here because two men, And a body of believers were faithful to hold their church and their community open handed and say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want, you take. Whatever you want, Lord, you take. I'm reminded of a, of a, I grew up in East Tennessee. There are little cities all around East Tennessee. I was in Dandridge and my, um, my grandparents lived in Jefferson City, right, right close to Dandridge, but they were missionaries in Nigeria for like 37 years. And my grandfather had like a bunch of siblings and some of them were pastors and some of them were, uh, you know, in ministry. And I remember I was in college and at this point my grandparents had passed away and I was in college and I met some other friends from East Tennessee for the first time and they were telling me about their, um, just their life and their experience in faith and the goodness of what that is. And I remember this one guy in particular, he's, he's since passed away, but he, he told me, he was like, yeah, when I was 12, um, I was, you know, brought to the, brought to the Lord by this guy named Clay and he led me to the Lord. And he baptized me at Alpha Baptist Church. And I said, Oh, hold on. Alpha Baptist Church, like I have a great uncle named Clay. And he's like, Clay? And I was like, yeah, Clay Frazier. He's like, yes, Clay Frazier. I don't know if you've had experiences like that where you see impact of gospel because of the faithfulness of people you're connected to. He was my great uncle. I didn't know him well, but the fact that like I was walking in ministry and I was walking in ministry because My parents walked in ministry, my grandparents walked in ministry, like walked in faithfulness to the Lord. And then to get to like, just see the goodness of something I wasn't even a part of, but just get to see how God was working over here while he was always working here. It just allowed me to see that our God is so big and yet so intimate. And I wonder, as we sit in this place this morning, if our neighbors in Uptown have that feeling yet. I wonder if they're stuck in this place of like, there may be a God, but he doesn't see me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't desire me. And I want so badly, here's, here's what I want in my whole heart. I want so badly that 50 years from now, 50, 70 years from now, however long it is, my son is traveling through Memphis. He comes to uptown just to see the house that he grew up in and I want so badly for him to be able to talk to someone and realize that they and their family were affected because of the gospel because we decided that we were going to plant and we were going to do the work of God in this place. I was talking to a, another church planting friend a couple weeks ago and he said, really the simplicity of church planting is this. It's It's saying we're going to move to this neighborhood and we're not going to stop. We're going to move here and we're just going to do ministry. And that's our life. That's church planning. And I would just encourage you in that. Encourage us in that. As we look to that, how do we do that well together? How do we take the case study that is Acts 13, knowing that Paul and Barnabas had a mission. They believed that what God was calling them to was to plant churches. I don't think they had any idea that they were going to end up turning to the Gentiles, that they would see the Gentiles come to faith and they would see church explosion from the Gentiles. But they were faithful in what they were doing. They walked in that and they got to to see God do something that they could not predict. God do something exponentially more than they could have ever understood. So how do we take the Acts 13 case study and walk in unity to a similar goal? How do we do that? I think today it's two things. And these are super practical things, but they're things that I, I just want to walk in. The first thing is this. I want, I want you to understand what type of church we desire to plant. We desire a church. We will be a church that does not rely on inviting people in but sees our mission as going out. In this culture, in this current American culture, we've got to be very careful as a church body to not be, we have all the answers, come in and get it. That's not what Acts 13 shows us. Acts 13 shows us that the church as a whole worshiped together, prayed together, fasted. They sent out ones to do the work. Those ones were sent out. And as they were in the places that people were already comfortable in, that's where the work and the proclamation of the gospel went forth. I can't tell you in my life right now, Barrett and Robbie asked me the other day, what are you finding most joy in in your life right now? And I said, I'm finding the most joy in being around lost people right now. Of my week, the majority of my week is spent around people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. And it is my favorite thing ever. Because I get to bring about hope. I get to bring about my experiences. I get to bring about what I know is the truth of the gospel. And I get to bring it in spaces that they're already comfortable in. I, at, even at work, I, I, at, I work at, ground city brewery and even at work i'm having conversations with coworkers and customers and people that are hungry for community hungry for something more they're missing it and just by being there being a part being willing to walk in the spaces that they're walking being able to talk in the spaces they're talking walk in kindness walk in love i've gotten more opportunities to share the hope of the gospel in that place in the last two months than i ever thought possible We don't want to be just a church plant that invites people in, but we see our mission as going out. We realize that real life happens through relational discipleship. Real life happens through proclamation and uh, uh, sharing our faith. Um, One of the things that I would encourage you in, if this is landing at all with you and you're like, how do you even do that? Like, that sounds amazing, but I don't even know how to walk in that. This Saturday, we have a workshop for sharing your faith. I would encourage you, if that's something you're not strong and you don't have confidence in, go to that. Build your skill in that. Figure out what it means to be a person who shares hope with others in the context of our real world. Um, You know, it's not, uh, I remember in Sunday school, a lot of times I would get to this place of like, oh, you're having candy. Well, you know what's really sweet? Jesus. You know, like, that's not it at all, right? Let's, That's not what we're calling to, but you you have to walk in spaces with people who don't know Jesus to be able to have permission to be able to proclaim and share. And so if that's something you're not skilled at, something you lack confidence in, I encourage you this Saturday to be a part of that. I think it would be really helpful. We wanna be a church that doesn't see ourselves outside of the culture, but operating within it for a messianic purpose. In Acts 13, you see that's exactly what Barnabas and Paul did, right? They walked into these cultural centers. And a lot of times they were quiet in those cultural centers. Even after it says, after the law and the prophets were proclaimed, that's when the leaders of the synagogue came to Paul and said, brother, share an encouraging word if you have it. And when he had the chance to share the encouraging word, what did he say? He didn't just say, Jesus loves you. No, he shared the history of what God had been doing for the people for all of time. He shared of Jesus' death and his resurrection and the the cost that it would take to believe on Jesus. He shared the full picture of what God was doing. And then lastly, we have to be a church that's proximate to our mission field. Proximity matters. I can't plant a church in Uptown and not live in Uptown. I can't hear from my neighbors, this is really hard and not know that this is really hard. I can't n- not know what's going on in our neighborhood and then proclaim that I have a solution in the gospel for some of those problems. We've got to be a church that's proximate. So how do we do that? There's two things and I want to lead us to them and then uh, we're going to close in a unique way today. In your bulletin today, um, you will see that they, uh, on the back of your bulletin, we've got um, some things going on in the month of November. My heart more than anything, um, and I don't, I don't want to do a show of hands, but I would bet the majority of us in this room haven't spent a lot of time in Uptown, which is just right there. I would bet that. And so my hope for you in this moment is discovery. I want you to discover what the community Uptown looks like. And we're going to do that through unique ways this month. And I would just ask if if a uh, couple things. One, if you're just wanting to know more about the communities around us, the types of people around us, the, the, the vision for what we're wanting to walk in, the, the, if you're wanting to kind of grab my ear or our family's ear and say, why in the world would you do this? Or tell me more about what you're thinking or anything like that. I think these opportunities are for you. So uh, this Monday, tomorrow, we are actually going to have dinner and prayer at our house in Uptown. The, on the, uh, it's got, we've got all the addresses on there. And throughout the whole month, we're we're gonna have unique things that are going on, which I'm super excited about. I've told a lot of people um, uh, over the last couple months, we, a lot of times on Tuesdays, we'll walk the neighborhood, uh, interact with our neighbors, and then we'll go to this corner store that's got ice cream for $2 and you get a big scoop of it. It's amazing living in our neighborhood. It's not like Jenny's ice cream that's $10 for a pint. Um, And so on the 13th, we're going to prayer walk together and we're going to go eat ice cream. I know the owner of that store. He is, I think, a possible person of peace for us. And I just want to bless him and that store and expose others to to, uh, our neighborhood. On the 20th, something I'm really excited about. And if you know me, you know my heart is um, a lot for kids that... Um, come from really broken families. And so on the 20th, we're going to do a community-wide uh, like pre-Thanksgiving dinner at the community center. God has just given us people over there in the short time that I've been there that have given me and our church kind of a open access to some things. And for that, I'm so excited. I've already, I was at a yard sale in my neighborhood yesterday with some of my neighbors and say, hey, tw- on the 20th, mark it down, six o'clock, we're having Thanksgiving dinner at the gym. And they're like, oh, we're gonna be there. That's so exciting. And so I think it's just gonna be a great opportunity to meet some of my neighbors, to, to eat with them, spend time with them. I think the table, the idea of the table, is one of the most equalizing places that, that you can spend your time as a believer. If you're struggling, this is a side note. If you're struggling, to walk with people, to walk with lost people. And you don't know how to do that first. Invite them to dinner. Eat dinner with them. Everyone has to eat. Most people like food, okay? And so eat dinner with them. Get to know them, all right? Spend time with them. That's, that is the first step that I would give you. And then the last thing I'm gonna do, we're gonna do that I'm super excited about is at the end of the month, on Monday, November 27th, we're gonna do a prayer and worship service over at Mug and Coffee House on front and Saffron's. It's a small little spot. We have a church member that works over there. I'm so excited and it's just gonna be a great time just to announce like, all right, Lord, have your way. Do what you want in this place. And so if any of those things are exciting to you, if any of those things are things that you may wanna walk in, I would encourage you to do it. A 100 people could show up tomorrow and everyone will eat, I promise, all right? But in saying that, if that's something you wanna do, I think there's a QR code on that, on that bulletin and even our website. Would you just like help me so that way I know if I could expect two people or 20 or 200 people to show up tomorrow? Because that'll kind of change how the, our house looks and all that. So, um, But discovery, making time to understand why we're doing what we're doing in a specific neighborhood for a specific people. Secondly is this, in this current time, it's our strategy, and our obligation to lead out our church in prayer. And in this, I don't want to be too much of like a, it feels a little bit icky to me being like the church planner asking for prayer. But I do believe that we are called as a church. If we take seriously Acts 13, we're called as a church to pray and fast for this. We're called as a church to, to pound the table of heaven And say, Lord, do this. We know you're faithful. We know we've called our church. We know you've called the Frasers to this. God, would you do it? And not just once, but continually praying for us in that. As we close, I'm going to invite Barrett up. And we're going to close in a unique time of prayer. We want more than anything, as, as leaders of our church and as people that are teaching The last thing we want to do is lead you in a space that we're not prepared to to walk in ourselves.
0: Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at ICCMemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.